0: Yeah, I just wanted to share a little message with you guys. Okay, love you. Um, we are, the kids are doing their homework in another room. And I'm in here. Now, this is not my first time recording this message for you. But hopefully, this will be the last. Um, because it's been on my heart. Like, this whole journey we've been on has been as a pastor has been a privilege and a challenge, and Don and Jesse and the rest of the team at Albany will tell you the same. We've all learned so much in the last two years. I mean, battling all of the challenges that come with the world being in a pandemic. And the interesting dynamic we have is that although we are Inspire Church Singapore, more than 50% of our congregation is from the US, and from all over the US. We have people from South Africa and the UK, and we actually have a lot of people that tune in that have once been a part of Inspire Singapore but still call it their home. And so we have people from, uh, that are from Africa but living in Canada, and again, people in Colorado and South America. Uh, we looked at our podcast stats, and more than half the people that listen to our podcast are in LA. So we Inspire Singapore has become a very diverse international church. And with that, we have a lot of people with um, different views about faith, different backgrounds. Um, I tried to list them all the other day and I got muddled up. But if you can imagine any kind of denomination, we haven't represented. And so what we always try and come back to is the heartbeat that this thing is all about Jesus, that no matter what rituals, what liturgy, what beliefs or details or small facets of scripture you get stuck on, we need to bring it back to the heart of Jesus and who he called us to be as a church. And what I love is what we have been called to be as a church is simply love. And that comes from those amazing pastors that are sitting at home right now watching this with you, Pastor Don and Julia. And so our heart goes out to them. And you guys, if you have their number right now, just take a moment. You can pause me and come back. Take a moment to send them a message of your appreciation to them. Because I have... Ne- I'm. I just turned 46 and in 46 years, I've never encountered somebody who so freely gives trust and love and empowerment as Don and Julia, of course, that this, this couple have, I've seen myself grow because of their leadership and I see our church growing because of what they planted in our lives nearly 20 years ago and so what's happening with you you know you have the privilege of this incredible team and this incredible heartbeat which is expressed through your four echoes or your five echoes that you are better together that your church is beyond sundays that you are surrounded in prayer and that you love people and you pursue god and of course all of that you have fun while doing it and those statements are a reflection of the life that's been lived in this place for over 20 years and when I say this place I mean inspire where it started as Albany Christian Center um, up the road a little bit in William Pickering oh no sorry, you're at Stadium i actually joined the church when we we're at the other William Pickering and it's just been a great journey to be on but as I've been reflecting as a pastor through this season one of the areas that I have to keep coming back to is to keep people focused on their relationship with him because at the moment our relationship with God can become very results focused and when I say that you know I want just think of your prayers in the last two weeks many of you have lost jobs and our people included we have had quite a few people within the church who have had family members die from COVID-19. Uh, the reality of it, we've got several families who weren't able to go and say goodbye to their parents and loved ones because of this disease, this virus. We've had um, people lose jobs. We've had so many people have to relocate. I know you're in the same position that Ed Sport, a real This is a season of challenge, but it's not the first season of challenge that any church has faced or that humanity's faced. In fact, it it pales in comparison to some of the things that have happened in history. But it's been difficult nonetheless. But what this has done, one of the, the negative side effects is it's made us results focused. As in, God, you need to give me a new job. You need to bring my finance. You need to heal this person. You need to do this. You need to look after our mental health and our anxiety, which are all important prayers that we have to pray. Unfortunately, when you're in a long-term state of crisis and trauma, you get so focused on needing your healing or needing your liberation that the, the heart of who you are as a person of faith, the heart of who God's called you to be as a Christian living in this world and interacting with people and bringing heaven to earth, that can sometimes get sidelined. And I've just spent a few, if you like, preaching themes or the last few seasons in our church just bringing us back to who is Jesus? Who is Jesus in your life? And what is it that he wants to do? And so there's this amazing scripture that I want to have a quick look at. We're going to go to Ephesians uh, 1, I believe, once I open my iPad. I don't uh, normally I make great uh, take advantage of somebody who gives me all the scriptures almost on a, um, you know, camera thingamabob so I can read it on the screen. But I have to do it myself for this. So let's see where we are. Let's go to Ephesians 1 7 to 10. I love this because the scripture takes the entire Bible and it sums it up. It takes all of creation, all of human experience and all of life, and it brings it into, what does this mean? Who is Jesus and what does this mean? And so I'm going to go Ephesians 1, 7 to 10. Um, If you can hear people talking, it's because there's a public toilet right just over there. And they like to stand outside this door. They don't realize this is in, and they talk loudly. (laughs) So, um, but then you wouldn't get the nice backdrop of the shop houses behind me. So there's the give and take. Hey, but look, let's look at Ephesians. So, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. Now listen to this. So he's talking about when the times reach their fulfillment, when all of time, when all of creation, when heaven and earth are done away with, and there's a new heaven and earth, it's called the resurrection. Uh, in Matthew 21, Jesus calls it the restoration of all things. Peter calls it the restoration of all things in Acts 3. Uh, Paul here um, gives it, it talks about everything being brought into fulfillment. So every, almost every New Testament author has a different way of describing what happens in the end. That it's the fulfillment, the restoration, the, the, yeah, the purpose of what Jesus was doing with all of creation. Listen to the sentence to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It's amazing, I'm just gonna pop that down by my foot and I'll get it again later if I need it. It's amazing because all things, not the good nice things, not the good parts of the story where you got healed, where this went well, but the job loss, the loneliness, the isolation, all things get brought into unity. Now, that word unity is a Greek word that's actually only used once in the Bible. It's um, it's a mathematical term, and the word is the thigh. And I said that without using any notes. I should get a pay rise just for being able to say, anakafei thigh. But what this word means is, it. it It's basically meant to take a whole bunch of numbers and sum them up under one number. It can also be translated as recapitulate, which means to take an entire story or a set of things and reframe it and rename it and summarize it. And so imagine this, that the cross, that the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, I just noticed my hands are really dirty. This is paint. Um, We're still painting bookcases and things. I don't want to be distracted. So imagine this, that under Jesus, all things are made new. All things are retold. That when we step back from the story, when we look at the final season and we see our life and everything in place, suddenly it's made new. It's it's retold and reframed within what God was doing the whole time. And, you know, I love it that the Bible at times says, who are you but a speck of dust on the wind? And yet that speck of dust is part of an amazing movement through history that brings the restoration of all of creation together. That no matter who you are, who you encounter, what hurt has been done or, or what person has caused harm, in the end, He's going to restore them and restore you and bring it together. It's beautiful. And sometimes I love to bring, just to bring my focus back to that. When I get so inward focused on myself, on my troubles and the difficulty and the challenge and the crisis and whatever else, especially at the moment, you guys, you're back in lockdown and we pray for you. We feel, you know, our heart really goes out for you but don't get lost in that small moment because it's only a small moment in the picture of the bigness that God is doing. And so I was sharing this recently with the church and just about the bigness of God and about the love he has that he wants to bring everything to himself. And somebody listened to it really contently and then intently, I should say, they were online and they messaged me afterwards and they said, okay, I get what you're saying but this person shared with me look that they had been abused as a child and they said are you trying to tell me that one day when God restores all of the universe and he restores all of creation to himself that I'm going to be there in the heavens or wherever and I might see my abuser there with me and I have to be okay with that like and they said so what's the answer and yeah i had it's a challenge because it's easy to talk about god's grace and his beauty and his forgiveness and and his love for all when it's about us when when it's about you being loved by god that's great but when it's about the person that has actively hurt or destroyed aspects of your life knowing that god wants to restore them as well is a challenge And I really had it on my heart when I shared it with uh, your Pastor Jesse and with Pastors Don and Julia about this message. I really felt that this is a good message for us as a church internationally, between New Zealand and Singapore. Because we can get so focused when we're in trauma on our own healing that we forget that our faith is not just about us. You guys are living on, on the line of New Zealand at the moment that is trying to be COVID free, which means you will be interacting with the church and building the church together and in life groups and interacting with everyone. We, we haven't had that for nearly two years. And the, the most people I've interacted with in a small group where I'm allowed to stand with them is eight. And that was between February and March. The rest of the last two years, the largest group size I've been in is five. <laughs> Although we have everyone at church, we're not allowed to interact with anyone outside of our bubble. So we've, we've had it different to your journey. But what we've noticed is as we're introducing people back into a relationship, and as you're going back into the context of being back in your whole family and back in all of your friendship networks and everything, is The old issues of bumping into people that you do not want to see or that have caused you harm is remembering that our faith is about stepping over those barriers and those lines. And so I have a story I want to share with you. Now, I'm not going, it's, there's a whole lot of scripture. If I was to read this to you and actually recorded it earlier, it took 25 minutes of me looking at my iPad, reading scriptures. And so I'm not going to do that with you for this message, but if you want to trace the story along, we're going to read, um, I'm going to tell you part of the story from Acts 6. It's about midway through Acts 6 to the end. Then we're going to pick the story up in Acts, uh, the end of Acts 7 and the beginning of Acts 8. I want to talk to you about Acts 9. And then we're going to leap all of the way to Acts 21. So there's a lot of scripture there with an Acts. And I just want to frame it that within these, these issues of discovering the bigness of God, I wanted to start there because I want you to know that there's more in store from you. That the heartbeat of our church, the heartbeat of our faith is about loving people, is about loving them without and agenda, but simply extending to them the grace and the beauty of God. And so as we do that, we have to overcome things and people that we may not be naturally able to love in our own capacity. And so we have this story in Acts 6 where the church is growing hugely, but there starts to be some issues with the distribution of food. There's there's different groups of Jews And um, one group's getting a lot of food, but the widows from another group are being neglected. And so they go to the apostles. So you've got Peter and the other disciples, and they say, look guys, this is a huge issue. And they say, well, we don't have the capacity to do this. We don't have the capacity to distribute food and to look after the grievances within our growing community of thousands. So they appointed seven people. And those seven people were a bit like pastors. But they were also just like the hospitality team. Their main role was to wait on tables. But they were appointed because of their power, their wisdom, and their, um, their, their understanding, their ability to flow in the Holy Spirit. And so among these were two people, Philip and Stephen. Now, these two guys worked together. And they were both known for their power in God and for their wisdom in the Holy Spirit. A bunch of people got upset with Stephen. And so they framed him. I'm doing quickly. You can read this for yourself in Acts. But they basically framed him and said, look, this guy, he's twisting scriptures. He's replacing Moses. He's saying blasphemy about the temple. And so he. And, but when they turned to accuse him, they said he had the face of an angel. He wasn't like the modern-day persecuted Christian that turns onto Instagram and has the face of a millennial. You know, they. They. The, he. He stood there in the power and the grace of God. And what happened next is he talked to them. At the end of the conversation it says they they gnashed their teeth and they ran at him because they told he told them they'd kill Jesus. They took him outside and they stoned him. And at the end of the stoning, um, there was a man there called Saul. Now, I'm leading you through a bit of a story. Um, again, you can read this for yourself. But what happened is, and I'm going to pick this up for you in Acts 8. Excuse me. I'm back. <laughs> okay, we're... Ah we the full circle three. We're gonna to go to Acts eight verse one uh, two about eight. Saul approved of their killing him. On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Now, I want you to remember this phrase. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Okay, this, this is not a good guy. This is not somebody that you're like, hey, that guy Saul's in town. Let's go get our soapbox and our Christian tracts and go and tell him how much Jesus loves him. Like, he's destroying the church. His persecution actually grew the church and scattered them out. It caused Philip to go out and meet an Ethiopian on the side of the road. In fact, Philip's amazing because according to Levitical law, somebody who has been, bear with me, somebody who's been emasculated by cutting or by crushing is not allowed to enter the presence of God. But Philip met an Ethiopian eunuch, which is somebody who's been emasculated by cutting or crushing. He introduced them through the scripture to the presence of God. And then this guy and this encounter on the side of the road led to the entire legacy of the Ethiopian church. So many uh, Ethiopian Christians still trace their lineage back to that encounter on the side of the road where somebody was not bound by um, who's in and who's out but rather was led by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. Such a beautiful story. There's nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But Philip then went on to live in a place called Caesarea, and he had four daughters. So we're going to find out about Philip a little bit further along. Now, if we carry on in this, oh, my iPad has turned itself upside down. We actually pick up on the story of uh, Paul, and I will read this to you. So, Meanwhile, Saul, still called Saul, his name gets changed later to Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there that belonged to the way, cool name for the church actually, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared damascus on his journey suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him saul saul why do you persecute me who are you lord saul asked i am jesus whom you are persecuting he replied now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do now of course we know the story there was a guy called ananias who uh, God appeared to, gave him very specific instructions. Go to this street, look for this guy, pray for him. And so Ananias did, and when he prayed for uh, Saul, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he was able to see, and he immediately started to share the gospel. Um, This verse finishes, let me share that with you because it is good. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength saul spent several days with the disciples in damascus now something happens if you have read the bible if you've read any of the new testament then you've read words that paul has written paul the guy that was just described as the destroyer of the church dragging men and women from their homes and imprisoning them approving and sentencing people to death became the main influence of what we call Christianity today. That the four gospels are written influenced by Paul's ministry. That the letters to the church, that the directions and the encouragement that the New Testament church received were from Paul. It's interesting, right? Would you allow somebody that you knew destroyed inspire church albany 10 years ago to come back and give you directions on how to make the church better because that's what's happening here would you allow somebody who destroyed your marriage to then walk in and give you marriage advice or destroyed your childhood or destroyed your school experience that person that made your life a living hell in sixth form or just berated you in university that if they'd had a transformative encounter with God, in reality, let's let's not pretend that we're Christians watching the TV or the computer right now. In reality, it's not as easy as it sounds on paper that this person that actively destroyed their lives is now the person that's there telling them how to do it. <laughs> and so when I read the scripture, I was hoping that I could find a link with somebody that had witnessed Paul's destruction and how they reacted when they saw him. And so we're going to go to Acts 21. And I just want to share this with you because this really ministered to me. So Luke's writing this. And Luke had walked with Saul, who became Paul. He documented the entire journey of the church. And they came to this moment where reading from Acts 21, verse 8. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. Remember Philip, who knew Stephen well, who fled from his life from Saul, who had just killed Stephen. Philip, who settled in Caesarea. Paul and his companions are staying at the guy's house. Now listen, he had... (coughs) Actually, when we read this in Scripture, we can miss it. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we'd been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came from, down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his hands and feet with tied his own hands and feet with it, and then said, The Holy Spirit says in this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Okay, I have two daughters, as we talked, Hades and I talked about before, our 13 year old and our 11 year old. Um, We now limit the amount of people we have stay with us because we have teenage daughters and so we're protective of them. I am a dad. There are people that I'm more than happy to have stay in my house. And there are a lot of people that I will happily pay to put in a hotel. And so I think most of the dads watching this would agree. I read this and it just occurred to me, would you let the person that murdered the guy you used to work with, that ran you out of Jerusalem, that actively destroyed everything that you stand for, go and sleep in the house with your four unmarried kids? because I would not I would struggle and that is because these guys lived something that we we sometimes lose sight of that they understand that the restoration of all things goes so much deeper that somebody who actively destroyed can be somebody who actively gives life that The person that was the villain of your story may one day become the hero within your story or may, you know, become such an important mentor to you that you want them there that you would plead for them not to go to a place where they could be imprisoned, where you would beg them to save their life. It's such a beautiful story, actually, of what forgiveness looks like, of what restoration looks like. And I share this because we are Western Christians. Look, we're, we're really good at drawing boundaries and keeping ourselves safe and looking after our wellness, which, don't get me wrong, this is important, okay? To an extent. There are times where God calls us to love where we may not have chosen to love. In Matthew, Jesus says, it's of no benefit for you to love the people that love you. It's of no benefit for you to only forgive the people that say sorry to you, or only feel forgiveness towards the people that, well, that person may have done that to me, but they're a Christian now, so God's forgiven them. God's forgiven them anyway. He's got you on a journey of letting them go. I once uh, heard this amazing message on forgiveness, and the crux of the message was, is that forgiveness is about setting somebody free. And when you've released them, you realize that the person that was set free was you. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to wake up hurt or angry, but it means that you have committed to waking up less angry, committed your thoughts to dwelling on them less furiously, that you are willing to see that if God is able to work in your life, then he's able to work in their lives. And look, we have had such and we continue to have such an amazing journey here with the church we've seen so many people's lives turned around and and I don't mean it in a you know we prayed for them and this happened we see it as we watch them grow in their capacity to love their capacity to be open to others and we see that filter into their families and into their histories that because he wants to free you As we step out of everything of this pandemic, of the the isolation, of the the fear and the conspiracy theories and the worry and the everything else, are we willing to just walk and allow God to shift our perspective on all the people in our lives? And so I want to pray as we finish today um, and just pray that He continues to restore you and he continues to restore the people that are in your history and restore those relationships, giving you wisdom and helping you to walk in ways that are lighter and filled with joy. So thank you, Father, for every person that's watching right now, wherever they are, that you would bless, that you would empower, that you would help them let go If if this message has brought up um, pain for you or your your thought of individuals that have caused you harm, I just want you to pop your hands in front of you. Right now, wherever you are. If you're driving the car, don't let go of the wheel. Keep that going. Just maybe, I don't know. (laughs) But right now, Lord, I just pray that we can let go of our offence, of our hurt but also allow you into our trauma and our histories. We believe that you will restore all things and you are God, you do not fail. So we trust you to restore us and our hearts and our lives and we trust you to restore the people that have hurt us. Help us to be like Philip. Who can one day see what you see in people, that can see all of the potential and all of your grace and beauty in somebody's life that they can go from being someone who's destructive to someone who's life-giving? Help us to see the people in our lives with your eyes and help us to, to continue to grow in this and have hold our hurts lightly. And loosely and I pray that we would continue to grow that you continue to build your church in Jesus name amen hey it's so good sharing with you I wish I was there in person so do Hayes and I we'd we'd love to go up the road and have a coffee with you guys and I don't know just eat a whole lot of good Kiwi food um, but look we miss you it, it's an amazing time to see how people's lives are, are coming alive in despite of this. So good. So look, we love you. We miss you. Um, Hade says goodbye. She's just gone to dinner with her team. <laughs> and we will see you soon. If not on in person, we'll see you online. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.